Brittany here with the Wayward Lasses, reminding you to like, follow, and subscribe to us on all the things. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Come on, what are you waiting for? Did you do it yet? Okay, let's start the show. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, you got to make the active choice to take your medications and trust your doctor. You also need to communicate with your doctor, but there's no cure for either of these situations. And so it's also up to you to say, I want to live my life. And that means that, you know, medication, I got to be willing to figure that out. And sometimes it might take a year to figure that out. But um, I think a healthy communication with doctors, though, has been what's been best for me lately. Welcome to the Wayward Lasses All the Things Podcast. Real content. Encouraging. For real women. Affirming. Loving. Every age and stage of life. Are you ready to get real with the Wayward Lasses? You've come to the right place. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Wayward Lasses All the Things Podcast. I'm your host today, Brittany, joined by my mother, Amy. Oh, you did it again. And my sister, Courtney. Hello, sister. Hello, sister. And our very special guest for this evening, Danielle Vogt. Yay. Hello. We're so excited to have you on here for today. But before we hop into our interview with Danny, we've got some trivia. And this is the first time we're doing this, Danny. We all are going to ask trivia questions. So I am asking Harry Potter trivia questions. Courtney, you have Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm. Right? And mom, you have uh, the office. Yes. Oh, God. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, here we go. Does anybody want to volunteer to go first? I'll go okay, first. I'll go. Okay, Courtney goes. I don't know anything. I'm asking three questions. You can ask through whatever you want. Okay, I don't know anything about Shits Creek. I've never watched it. So these might be like ridiculously obvious. I know it's on my list. It's on my list of things to watch. Um, So I'm really sorry. Hold on. I'm going to intervene. Go. All right. I'm going to go for these questions. They might be obvious. Sorry if they are. Question number one What is the name of the soap opera that Moira Rose is best known for? Um, Isn't it Sunrise Bay? I think so. Correct. Awesome. Very good. (laughs) Did you know that? No, I didn't. <laughs> it's been a while. Okay. Who is the mayor of Schitt's Creek? Um, What's his name? Roland Schitt. All right. Very good. Cool. <laughs> As she says, I'm like, oh, that's it. <laughs> All right. Let's see. For a brief time, Moira decided to be what type of model? A hand model? Yes, very good. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should I do one more? Sure. Um, Twyla is best known for working at what local establishment? Eternal Sunshine, no, wait. Eternal Sunshine Cafe? No. It's not. Uh, no. I don't remember. I know it's the cafe. I don't remember the name of it. It's Cafe Office. Tropical. Yeah. Is that a bad one? Yes. That was good. That was good. That's good. That's a okay. good one. Hey, Courtney, you have to watch It's Creek. It is. I know. So Everybody good. tells me that. I have to. It's like, if you like The Office. I love The Office. I also t- like was that. told Parks and Rec is another good one. 
So mm-hmm. I've got to get on that. I know. Parks and Rec is pretty good. Okay, I'll go next. This is Harry Potter trivia, and this is so easy. I think everybody's going to get these. I don't know. Okay, here we go. <laughs> what are the four Hogwarts, Hogwarts houses? Hogwarts. Hogwarts. Gryffindor, Slytherin, Hufflepuff, and Ravenclaw. Very good, very good. What position <laughs> does Harry play on the Gryffindor Quidditch team? Seeker. He's a seeker, dear. A seeker. He's a seeker. Yeah. But he was a fullback. I'm going to do these with British accents because Harry Potter. <laughs> okay. What is the name of the pub at the entrance of Diagon Alley? Diagon Alley. Sorry. Is it Hogsmeade? No, wait, no, that's not the pub, though. Mm. Um, What would a witch brew her stew in? Yeah, it's cauldron. Broom is a. Yeah, the cauldron. It's so there's a word before cauldron. Something cauldron. Black. <laughs> the smoky cauldron. It is the leaky cauldron. Oh, actually, now that you said that, I do. Yeah, I was about to say that makes sense. I'm going to go reread these books after this. Okay, <laughs> what kind of pet does Harry own and what is her name? Head like an owl. Mm-hmm. Um, who makes the laws for the magical world? Ministry of Magic. Mm-hmm. Last one. Who does Harry live with before going to Hogwarts? His um, aunt and uncle, and then his cousin. Uh, what's his name? What, what's their last name? Oh. Um, oh. Oh God. Oh man. Petunia a... Vernon. It is the Dursleys. The Dursleys. You know, I was gonna say Drury. Uh, yeah, I was the D, but I cannot think of that. <laughs> Just, so yeah. weird, or side note real quick, um, you know how everyone who ha- possesses a Horcrux kind of goes crazy and gets angry and mad? Mm-hmm. Well, Harry is a Horcrux. Maybe that's why his aunt and uncle were so mean to him. They've had him forever. I've Maybe never thought, I never of, thought that. of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just eternally like angry people now. They had him for like, what, 12, 11 years? Yeah, it messed them up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Mother, it's your turn. No clue about that. All right. Um, <laughs> who said, if I don't have some cake soon, I might die? Are you trying to have what soon? Yes. I think this is the office. <laughs> yes. What, what, if I don't have what soon? Cake. I don't have cake soon. I'm gonna die, Michael. Stanley. Stanley sounds like a Stanley. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I don't even know if I'm saying this name right. Shruti, Shrut, boys. Shrut. They must learn how many rules before the age of five. A lot. These are hard. Oh God. Twenty-three. Three rules. Five rules. Twenty. Ten. Rules. Fifty rules. Sixty-nine. 80. I don't know. <laughs> Fifty to sixty-nine. I went like this. <laughs> What's the answer? Forty. 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 Right. No idea. How many cousins does Dwight have? Oh, I feel like so many. 
Well, there's the Moe's. Shirt. That's one. I don't know. <laughs> 15. I don't know the answer. It's a big number. It's a big. Let's let's just forget that one. It's 70. Let me go somewhere else. Dwight Schrute. Schrute. 17 is to never turn your back on bears, men you have wronged, or the dominant turkey during what crucial time? Mating season. Mating season. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That was Let's do two more. <laughs> okay, since Michael can't pay for his Tots College education, what does he offer them instead? An internship. I have no idea. It's like really random. Nope. Lollipops? Run your computer. Lithium batteries. Batteries? Uh, Lithium. Oh, okay. (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) Okay. All right. What kind of sandwich does Michael have a dream about when he's the head of Michael Scott Paper Company? Kind of sandwich. My Egg gosh, salad. Ham sandwich. Grilled cheese sandwich. I don't know. No, these are not easy ones. No. No. Shoot, these sorry. Quite specific. Okay. What's okay. the answer? Peanut butter and tuna fish. Ew. Ew. Could you ask right, us, like, what is Michael's last name? Okay, which of <laughs> Angela's cats did Dwight kill? I remember this episode. Oh, I do too. Didn't he put her in the like freezer? Buttercup or um Oh um Dan, no, something? Not Dan, no, it's like oh god. I have no idea. Shadow. Hmm? Beatrice. Mrs. Mrs. something. Mrs. I feel like he's Sprinkles. I don't know. Go ahead. Sprinkles. Sprinkles. No. I remember that. Wow. Oh, guys. All right. Okay. All right. Wait, one, one more. One more. One more. One more. One more. I'm trying to like have you guys get something. What is the name of Dwight's porcupine? Also, not easy questions. <laughs> Go to the first question on the list, the very top question, and ask us that one. You didn't get it. Okay. Who did Kevin? Who did Kevin get for Secret Santa? No, that's wrong. <laughs> Incorrect. Incorrect. <laughs> Pam? Mom, these are, did you type in like easy office questions? I just look. All right. Himself. Himself. He got himself. Oh, Kevin. And he probably bought right. himself something too. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's, let's scrap that one. That was a bust. Sorry. It's okay. You, you did, you did great. No, like I typed good. in easy office questions, and the first question is, um, what is the name of the company they worked for? Dunder Mifflin. Dunder Mifflin. Easy peasy. You did good, Mom. You didn't know. You didn't know if they were hard or not, because you've never seen the show. never watched it. <laughs> you've never yeah. seen The Office? No, she's never. <laughs> we got to fix that. I don't, I don't I think she would like it, because she doesn't, she doesn't like, like humor. Yeah, she doesn't like that type of humor. My mom hates it personally. She watched episodes <laughs> and she's like, "No, no, thank you." <laughs> All right, guys, let's go ahead and hop into today's episode. Um, so, right before we get started, Danny, can you kind of introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, so I'm Danny, and I basically have spent the past ten years of my life 
in college, grad school, undergrad, and everything. So um, I'm just someone who right now is just trying to kind of figure out the right way to go forward, um, just focusing on my mental health, positive mindsets, and everything. And I have two dogs. They both are kind of crazy and sporadic, but I love them. And my fiance is upstairs playing Skyrim. Is that what he's been playing Skyrim. now? <laughs> he has not been on Call of Duty in a long time, so he's been playing Skyrim. This is the first time he's playing it. It's just because I told him I wanted to be downstairs instead of upstairs. Gotcha. So. And he has to play something where he can be quiet, and that's not possible in Call of Duty. That is not possible with him, especially. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Love that. So you were in school 10 years. What was – what's your degree in? Uh, my undergrad degrees are um, – a Bachelor of Science in Biology, a Bachelor of Arts in Anthropology, and a minor in Forensic Science. And I just got my Master's of Science in Cell and Molecular Biology. That's awesome. That's crazy. <laughs> that was a lot so, of big words. Wow. So what are, what are you going to do with those degrees? I know you said um, you're trying to figure out, but do you have a direction that you want to go in? I or? definitely would love to go into pharmaceutical research just because I feel like that's something I'm pretty passionate about. And um, ideally, I also would love to teach labs um, for students. I really love that as a graduate student, and you can technically do that with just a master's degree. So I would do that just for fun, though. Honestly, I'd probably do that for free. I love working with students so much. Ah. Tell them, do you have it pulled up? What what was the name of your thesis? Listen to this thing. (laughs) Um, I can pull up my phone really fast. I can't even, when I was like trying to defend it, I couldn't say the whole thing. I had to say it twice. I was like, I'm so sorry, you guys, because I stutter a lot when I'm nervous and that was just going to go downhill. <laughs> it's, um, it's like the investigation of HEC-293 cells and olfactory receptors and GPCRs using spatial intensity distribution analysis. That probably was not the correct way to say it, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I had a little note on my laptop saying like, oh, and they're trying to read it. I was like, I don't know what this is right now. It's too long. <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. We we didn't notice that it was incorrect. So it was like... <laughs> Sounded legit to me. Sounded Every... amazing. When you said it, everyone's eyes was like, oh, oh wow, okay. I believe everything you have to say. So what um what kind of sparked your interest to go with the, the graduate degree in cellular molecular cellular molecular biology? Um, so I started my undergrad thinking that I wanted to go to PA school and, you know, do this, this, and this. And I took my first lab as a freshman and I loved it. I loved lab work and I'm pretty introverted too. So I was kind of like, this seems right up my alley. And I had a professor tell me that. And, um, I think the point when I got almost graduating, you know, there was anthropology and biology and I loved both of them. But, um, I noticed that when I loved organic chemistry, that that was a pretty big sign that I should probably go the biology route mm-hmm. and so um you know I just love lab work and so cell and molecular biology is better for that I guess you could say that's awesome that's very cool I can't even say cellular molecular biology <laughs> <properly>. <laughs> you guys should see the books that she has they are all pretty thick and hard to read favorite <laughs> titles <laughs> So I know that for you about or a couple of years ago, something was introduced to your life, essentially. And you said that you have a you want to go into pharmaceuticals. Is that because of of what was introduced essentially to your life? And if so, can you kind of tell us yeah. what happened? Yeah. So, I mean, I always kind of had an idea that was an option. I would like my um, prostate cancer runs in my family. So I was like, I would like to go into that kind of research. But then, um, 
you know, the two things that I struggle with are bipolar disorder and epilepsy. And both of those conditions require a lot of medication. And tweaks to those medications are hard and the side effects are hard. And so that's definitely felt like a calling for me because I feel like I would be more passionate about the research if I could feel kind of connected to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, both of those things definitely made me want to go into that. Yeah. And can you kind of, so for um, maybe people who don't know, um, kind of like tell us a little bit about, about bipolar and then how you kind of got diagnosed with epilepsy? Yeah. So, I mean, I was diagnosed as being bipolar at the age of 18. It runs strongly in my family. So I guess no one was too shocked about it. Um, you know, and I, it was hard, you know, there was a lot of ups and downs with medicine. It took me about probably three years to find the right dosage. And then flash forward to two years ago, I um had my first seizure, you know, and I was in the hospital and they were like, you might have epilepsy and we pulled up your MRIs and you have these regions in your brain that maybe show like a mess in the future and this and that. And it was like, what the, I was like, there is no way that this just happened to me because, you know, I've always just been concerned about being bipolar and schoolwork. And then that day I was like, I didn't care about either of those things, you know? So it was very like mind altering and blowing that you could have like one hour of your life and five minutes with a neurologist and you're just like, okay, so things are starting to look a little bit different right now. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So where do you go from there? And that's been something I've been struggling with. I mean, I still struggle with it. I think I've made some great steps forward, but it's hard. Yeah. Can you kind of tell us uh, some of the challenges that you've faced with, with dealing with both of these? I know that the, you know, what they're giving you medicine wise has been difficult. Um, I don't think a lot of people understand um, how they have to balance out the dosages because one medicine can cause the seizures and you're taking this for that. Can you kind of walk us through how that works? Yeah, no, I mean, when I was diagnosed as being bipolar, that was a whirlwind because if you don't find the right doctor, they try to shove all this new medicine up there where it's like $500 a month. And so it took me a while to find the right doctor, which is extremely important. It's hard to do those in certain regions. If you're in a rural town, it's hard to do that. And um, the side effects of those medications are like, you know, sleepiness, grogginess. And you do have to make the conscious effort to say, I want to do this. I want to help myself feel better. You know, this, this, and this. And of course, right when I felt like I found the perfect dosage of that medication, um, I had seizures and I was on lithium and lithium does not work well with every drug. And so um, I spent the past two years only focusing on seizure medications and just kind of maintaining the other stuff. And I finally talked to my psychiatrist a few weeks ago, and he was like, okay, your issue is that you're only talking about seizures, and you need to talk about both of those things because, you know, it's all about your mindset. And because I'm bipolar, he um, he's like, you need to be healthy in your mind if you're going to tackle anything else. Because I've been very down and everything because of these medications they take they tell you to take at least a month at minimum to get used to them and then they want to up your dose a lot and then you want to down it a lot and you're just like well what are you guys doing and I'm sitting here and I'm like I can barely stand up I'm so tired so it's hard it's really hard yeah yeah I just want to um I want to backtrack just a little bit if we can uh for maybe our listeners who don't really know or understand like what is bipolar disorder I know that some people have high some people have lows so would you mind sharing with us maybe your experience yeah. and yeah yeah no for sure um so bipolar is just episodes of depression and mania and I always like the phrase that describes it pretty well is the higher the high and the lower the low and um you know depression depressive episodes for me have always been 
extremely bad. I mean, obviously they're very horrible, especially if you're not medicated. And um, sometimes medicine does make it worse if it's not right for you. But depressive episodes are hard to come back from. And they're typically followed by manic episodes. And I think um, mania is really misunderstood by a lot of people. I've had people tell me like, oh, well, the manic episodes must be great. And I'm like, I don't know if I would call it great. You know, some people do feel euphoric. But for me, I've always felt I don't need sleep. And I felt like, you know, aggressively, like almost yeah. anger with it. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, you go from like the lowest of lows to the highest of highs. Oh. And um, it's difficult because you can kind of feel like sometimes an onset, but sometimes it just happens overnight and it's just like, whoa. And it's, it's hard because it's hard to deal with it for yourself, but it's also right. hard to realize that other people around you have to deal with that. Right. Are you it's always able be- to recognize that something is about to, you know, you're about to have yeah. either manic or depressed episode? Yeah, it's getting better. I mean, I will say like finding the right treatment and medicine for you and medicine is just one portion of it. Obviously, you got to right. start working out your mind and body and do kind of like holistic approaches, I believe but I can definitely feel them coming on now. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't understand is that you know, you got to make the active choice to take your medications and trust your doctor. Right. You also need to communicate with your doctor, but there's no cure for either of these situations. And so it's also up to you to say, I want to live my life. Right. And that means that, you know, medication, I got to be willing to figure that out. And sometimes it might take a year to figure that out. But um, I think a healthy communication with doctors, though, has been what's been best for me lately. Right. That makes sense. Um, I don't want to monopolize the conversation, but I just have one more question. So you just mentioned um, talking about medications and that there's other things that you have to do, mindset, physical, emotional. Could you share like with, with us some of the things that you do other than medication to kind of, to help treat? Yeah. Um, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> You know, I've tried to get back into things. It's been hard because of school because I dedicated all of my energy into school. And so it's been a little bit more hard and difficult recently. But, you know, we have our two dogs here and I try to walk them and enjoy life outside. Um, Meditation is good. I'm someone who um, I am like religious. I try to read my devotions on down days and even when I feel kind of angry, you know, just things where you can do that's for you. You know, for me, I was trying to put all of my energy into school, but my doctor is like, you got to do something that's just for you. So cooking, Mm -hmm. I walk, I walk my dogs. I've been training Zeppelin a little bit more because he's been a bit of a handful lately. Um, yoga is always good. Things that are kind of actively making your mind focus on something positive. Right. Doing things that you enjoy, that you have like delight in. That's yeah. good. Cool. Sorry. Okay. I'll let somebody so, else talk now. <laughs> I just want to go back a little bit more. Um, I guess pre your being diagnosed as being bipolar, you said it does run in your family. What were some of the things that were clues to you that could I be bipolar or were you just thinking, oh my God, there's something wrong with me? You know, um, was there something specific that pointed to, yeah, I could be, or were you just going through the motions and thinking just there's something wrong with me? Well, what's really interesting is that whenever you get um, diagnosed as depression, like as being someone who's depressed, um, they give you the SSRI drugs, which is like your um, Zoloft or Lexapro. 
And that's what they did for me when I was about 17. And if you are bipolar, that medication typically brings out mania in people who are bipolar. And so I got into my first um, semester of freshman year of college and I stopped sleeping, felt like I could do anything. And I still pass all of my classes somehow. And if I didn't pass, a, like, you know, if I missed something, I can convince professors to give me another shot. And so that kind of erratic behavior to me, I felt fine, but I finally went home for a break and my mom was like, okay, something's not working right for you. And as soon as I went to the doctor, they were like, this does run in your genes and you know, we need to treat that pretty fast, you know, get you off the medication that's going to just amplify it and help with that. So sometimes I think that's what's really difficult for people who are bipolar is that sometimes you don't see it yourself. Right. And your support group sees it. And it's hard, especially if you're manic to hear people say, I think you need to go talk to a doctor because you're like, I'm fine. Right. You know, I don't need help. And then they're like, yeah, you do. And then you realize later, like, okay, I'm grateful to have that. Yeah. But it's difficult for people around you, too, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, taking a holistic approach to this because there's no cure for either of these things. There's the long game of medicine and communicating with your doctor. But I just love that you brought up the holistic approach because we've talked mm-hmm. to several people who've done yoga and meditation, and they talk about the benefits that yes. it has. And um, I just want to commend you and applaud you for realizing um, that it's not just the medicine that's going to heal you, but it's also a whole inner thing that you have to go through getting your mindset right and and taking those steps to take control of your health. Because I feel like in situations where they're not curable, I feel maybe many people could feel defeated. Um, mm-hmm. That's definitely not you. You just finished your master's. You just graduated, you know, from Western with a master's in cellular molecular biology, and like, you're 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 overcoming the things, and you're you're doing all the things. And I just want to commend you on that, and make sure that you know that no matter how you feel about yourself, you are a boss, and you are killing it. So love you. Um, yeah, thank you. I realize too, it's an everyday struggle. I can go days where I'm like, I kicked ass that day. I did a good job the next day you wake up and you screw up the whole day and you know you don't do yoga or you don't meditate or you know this this and this so it's it's an everyday thing for sure yeah yeah I think it's important too we've talked about this before sorry Court um, about being able to forgive yourself it's okay to make the mistakes it's okay to fall off the wagon sometimes um, but then recognizing and hopping back on it and forgiving yourself okay I, I didn't get to do this yesterday but tomorrow you know, it will be another day. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just talk a little bit about um, misconceptions that people might have about your, about both of your, your, your mental and your physical struggles, because I know that when I was younger, not now, but when I was younger, when someone would say bipolar, there was automatically a stigma attached to it and like a, a very negative connotation, like, oh, well, they're crazy or they're, you know, and, um, it, there wasn't a lot of talk about how to properly uh, talk about it, you know, and how to turn it into not necessarily a positive thing, but how to just uh, just have a conversation. So I'm curious to hear from you. Um, what are some common misconceptions that you have come across um, or that even you yourself had about about being bipolar or about even having seizures? Would you mind sharing that yeah. with us? Um, so I think one big thing is for my, my laptop surgeon, but one big thing is that with being bipolar, most people get really freaked out by that, that word. 
they hear you say bipolar, and I'm like, ugh. I've had people stop being friends with me. And my laptop side. Um, I've had people stop being my friend. Like, they would just, not just stop, but they would be like, oh, she seems like a, you know, a right. case that we don't really deal with. Um, and so it's like, it made, it always has made me feel very hesitant to bring it up. And I always hate when people say like, oh, the mania. I mentioned that earlier. It's just really frustrating when people who don't have it or don't know people with it try to make their assumptions. Yeah. And for me, you know, to be quite honest, I've had, um, people who have, you know, died because of it through like, you know, self-harm and everything. And I always have been, um, lately because I'm the same age as my uncle, they're like, you really remind me a lot of him. Are you okay? And they're people I don't really know. And I'm like, I'm fine. (laughs) I'm like, what does that mean? But, um, yeah, so I think I do put this pressure on myself when I'm down and that's really hard being bipolar because you're, and you're like, who do I talk to? You know, there's not many people available, but people always have weird reactions to that word. People have probably weirder reactions to the seizure thing because then they, people like, you know, if we've talked to like people I just met or something, everyone wants to stare at me and they're not really sure what to say. And I feel like they're always watching me in case I have one. And um, that one's just uncomfortable too because it's just like, I always feel defeated with the seizures. And that's something I personally have struggled with more. Um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish I could go back to just being someone who's bipolar. And you know, now it's like when I had seizures, I was like, God, come on, let me go back to just being that. Please don't let them keep happening. And so it is hindsight 2020. Both of those topics, though, when they come up with people, um, they really don't understand. Yeah. And there's been a lot of anger with the seizure, the epilepsy part, because people are like, oh, I understand what you're going through. And I'm like, you probably don't, though. No. And yeah. so then I just closed up a lot of the times talking about it. So it's difficult. Mental yeah. health is a huge stigma. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. We talk about that a lot on the podcast. And, you know, that I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I think it's so important yeah. to normalize being able to just talk about these things and not have it automatically have a negative, you know, yeah, connotation just, to it. Yeah. You can live a normal life with a mental illness, especially. And I didn't think that I could for a while, but then you have to actively choose to do that. Right. You know, it's not easy, but you can live a normal life. And people don't. And some people, I do give them the benefit of the doubt. They've never had someone with mental illness around them. They may not understand it. Right. But, yeah, it's difficult. That part has been probably the most struggling part of it all so far. Yeah. And I'm sure surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, oh, yeah. And having this solid support group is probably, you know, essential to, to being yeah, able sure. to manage, right? Yeah, no, for sure. You definitely, like... I have a very small group of people who are like, I call it my circle. And, you know, I realize I'm okay with having a smaller group of people because I'd rather have people I can rely on and mm-hmm. trust at the end of the day versus people who are kind of washy about it and you're not really sure how they're going to be. All right. Wow. Thanks for sharing. With, um, with seizures, there you, I think you were telling me they don't know why you get them. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have triggers that you know that they're coming and, um, kind of like how you've learned to cope with that? Yeah. I mean, they call them auras and then you have kind of like a deja vu sense. Like I see, you know, certain, like it sounds crazy, but I see like a hooded figure all the time. And I think that's just cause I probably watch Harry Potter too much. So I'm thinking <laughs> <of that. laughs> and everything. But you also have these symptoms in your body. Like 
you know, you're, it, it's really weird. Like I get a muddly taste in my mouth and I've noticed that my dog Zeppelin will start walking and kind of walking through mm. my legs, which is his favorite thing to do. He's by my side. So I've learned from some of them. And, um, so it's, it's one of those things as a hair mess because every single time I feel off now, I'm like, I'm going to go sit down on the couch. And I hate that having that fear, but it's also something that, I mean, I'd rather do that than trying to ignore it. But yeah, there's some indicators for sure that you're about to have one. And then those are the grand mal seizures though. The other ones are kind of like vacant ones, but for the most part, the grand mal ones, you do have a little bit of a sense that it's going to happen. Oh, so how how often, if you don't mind me asking? Um, do you so get- far, I have not gone three months without one. Okay. And usually, if they're the grand mal seizures, they happen uh, two seizures in a row, like oh. in a few hours. So I know you have your fiance there who's there to support you, but in terms of other people who are listening, um, what would you what would you say to them as far as being the support for you? Because I think oftentimes what people do is that they try and project onto others like, oh, well, I should be doing this for you, when in reality, it's not really the right approach that you should be taking. So what would you say to that, that somebody who's supporting a person who may have epileptic seizures or who is bipolar, how they should support you? Um, I think my thing is, I'm very, like, I had to be very, especially with the seizure portion, be very confrontational about how I wanted to be treated. A lot of the times when I have one, I have no idea where I am at. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like, when we first moved here, I had a big one. Tristan wasn't home, and we had just moved here. And I called my mom because I was like, why do I have this blue rain jacket here? And then I was like, did I post a picture of you and this and that? So I've told people for that, um, just to act like it's no big deal and ask me questions if I wanted to know anything. And that makes me feel less paranoid. Um, as far as being bipolar, I just try to tell people my warning signs, you know, okay. because I'll go into slight, you know, depression before it gets bad. And it's hard for me to be like, I think I need to be, you know, just some help. Or can you just keep checking in on me? You know, because then yeah. I feel like a five-year-old kid. But just having to reach out and having to tell them exactly what would help you personally is a big deal. And it's a lot harder than it sounds, though, because... You know, I've always been kind of an independent person and being like, I need you to do this for me. And I'm going to tell you this. But I think just being up front and saying, please do this actually next time. Because I had someone one time, um, I had a seizure, Preston wasn't around, they just didn't tell me about it. And then he got home and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, why wouldn't I be? He's like, you had one today. I was like, I did? And so that's when I learned, okay, I should probably tell people just to at least let me know that I had one. And this and that. But those are things that I've had to learn from time and I never thought I would have that conversation with people for sure. Yeah. So was it hard? Like when did you make the decision or realize that I really need to communicate this with somebody as opposed to I can just handle this on my own? That you needed help. You yeah. needed to put your hand out and say, you know, if I were to go through this, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I mean, for both of them, when I was bipolar, I had a really bad depressive episode, but it seemed like it kind of corresponded really badly where I got so bad that I was like, this is not okay. Yeah. Like, you know, I need help. Yeah. And then, you know, at the time I was in Wilmington and I had my mom there, I was like, she can help if I just reach out to her. And yeah. so that was good. And the seizures were kind of the same way. Um, I just am really stubborn and I've always been like, this is not going to happen anymore. 
you know, I'm fine. And then it happens and I'm like embarrassed and then I get pissed off at people. They ask mm. that I'm okay, you know, but it's hard. But it has to, I feel like it has to get to a certain point of extremity that you're like, okay, I need help. And yeah. I need to know how to ask for the help. Yeah. And that's, that's, it's hard for me to get to that point. I think sure. that's hard for everybody because yeah. number one, it, if, if it's, if there's a stigmatism of, around that particular disease, it's like, I don't want to ask for help. I don't want to tell anybody that I have this, that, and the other thing. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, I think reaching out is, is, I mean, I'm, I don't have, and I don't know anybody in, in my family that has, but I can only imagine that the, I just overcoming having to reach out and, and saying, I, I need help must be a very big thing. So oh, <laughs> a deep breath on that. Um, can I, can I ask the question guys that we were talking yep. about here? Can I yep. take that one? Okay. Oh. All right. Um, so it's, it's adding to that too. We're talking about, you know, reaching out and, and being vulnerable I'm going to dive in a little bit deeper and just get personal, but how about fears? What are fears that you have around this? Horrible. I mean, I definitely had fears for one thing before I started having the seizures. But when I, the day I got, you know, told that I probably had epilepsy, I walked out and I saw my car. I didn't realize that I would not drive that car anymore. You can't drive when you have seizures. And I started living in a state of fear in my everyday life. Mm -hmm. Afraid to cook, afraid to walk the dogs. And, um, you know, and then I started feeling really angry towards people because it was this whole, like, you know, it's not fair that I'm afraid to live. It's not fair that you don't have to feel this way and blank, blank, blank. Um, thankfully, I did get a life coach, and I would highly recommend one because, you know, it's like you talk for 30 minutes and they give you actual tasks to do to help yourself for the next 30 minutes. And the whole thing, she goes, if you're letting yourself get that down in your mind, you're really going to go downhill. And yeah. it's... You know, it's kind of like, it's hard to say like, yeah, you could have a seizure while you're cooking food, but you could also trip while you're having like cooking food. So you kind of have to look at it in a sense that, you know, you have to be more proactive about it. And one thing that causes seizures that they know is stress. So sitting there stressing Mm -hmm. out about it in your mind is definitely not helping the situation. Um, But the fear, I think seizures brought the fear of living. You know, I would do the what if game. Like twenty four seven. You know, what if I yeah. did this and did this? And I was like, I can't do that the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah. I can only, I can only imagine. I, I have, it, it, my husband like passed out right, and he in the kitchen, and he hit his head, and just blood gushing everywhere. We didn't know why. So for like the longest time, it was, well, I'm not going to walk up the stairs or I'm not going to, you know, go to the bathroom by myself or I'm not going to go to the store. Or I'm not going to go walk the dogs because you're afraid. Yeah. Right. And then I don't know when he crossed the point that he could like he was actually walking around with a motorcycle helmet on his head because he was afraid he would just bonk and he didn't want to have like, you know, another concussion. So I don't know, again, when he crossed that point where he could just let it, let it go. But I can only imagine like the stress. And like you said, the stress just makes it worse, but when you can actually just let it go, I I can only imagine. So I I don't know. know, I've been, whenever I hit like kind of like down spells, I'm like, I get to this whole point, like the woe is me party, like a pity party. And you know, I'm like, you know, I can't make everybody feel bad about it around me because the moment I bring it up, people are like, are you going to have one? 
anesthesia. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just upset about it, but now you're just pissing me off and it goes really <laughs> downhill from there. <laughs> so, you know, just having to learn how to, you know, like it's good to have your support system, but you also have to make sure yourself and your mind is mentally there and mentally yeah. stable to get you through those points. Because not there's a lot of times where I've had these episodes and, you know, both being bipolar and, you know, having seizures and I've been alone. And it's kind of like, yeah, it is scary, but you have to learn how to deal with it and kind of be, you know, a badass again in life and say, okay, I got it. I can do this and just be strong like that. Yeah. That's a beautiful way of putting it. You do got this. Um, Is there anything relating to what we've talked about here so far that we haven't asked you that you wanted our listeners to hear? I don't know. Just go to therapy if that works for you. Do yoga if that works for you, running, exercising, um, be active and proactive about medicine, but don't let yourself rely on that. It's all about your mindset. And medicine can help that, but it's up to you to actually go out and live every single day finding that kind of contentment with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no, go ahead. No, you can continue your thoughts. I was going to no, ask no, something no, different. No. So. I was going to ask something different. <laughs> okay. So um, I was going to ask you for this, for this upcoming year, you know, um, we usually typically set goals for ourselves at the beginning of every year. So do you have some goals for yourself, either um, personal or anything having to do with? Great is the first. That's on the 11th. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, I've been the whole day planning this freaking stuff with like hair and makeup, and I'm not that kind of person. So, wedding planning that'd be awesome. And we have the honeymoon. <laughs> Shout out to Ryan, by the way, because Ryan is um helping us with the whole honeymoon. That's been the easiest part of the whole planning. The wedding part is just the honeymoon. So he takes care of that. So I'm excited about that because I love to travel. And then coming back and getting a job. Yeah. So, so you're going to um you're going Ryan has planned, so shout out. Here's a you know a shameless plug for Viva More Travel. He is a travel agent, Ryan is our cousin. Um, but he is essentially planning their two-week um honeymoon in Europe. And That's what awesome. are some of the things that he because when you were describing it to me last night on the phone about everything that he was doing for you guys, I didn't realize he was doing that much. Oh, yeah. I don't think that they know what he does either. Um, so we are going to start out in Ireland. We're going to be in Dublin for St. Patty's Day, um, which we're excited about. And my fiance and I are big UFC fans. My fiance, Tristan, is a huge Conor McGregor fan. And um, we're going to go to his bar and restaurant. Ryan got us a reservation there. And yeah, we're going to do like wow. some more in the Aran Islands. Um, and then we're going to go to Amsterdam. We will be going to the Van Gogh Museum, Red Light District, um, Anne Frank. And then he's taking us to... Athens and Mykonos and uh, Ryan has made this I will say like he's made this a very easy process he just lets me know when I need to have the money in my account ready and if it's good to go and I'm like (laughs) I trust you (laughs) (laughs) you got it buddy um nice and he's like booked all your airbnbs and found you like everything to do while you're there right and he's found crazy deals like just with everything and flights are all great and he's like oh i got you guys window seats next next to each other and it's only for this price and i was like okay and then um, <laughs> i love Ryan too because he's very honest with his recommendations and he's like okay let's just what do you guys want or if i may recommend this and so ryan's always been awesome so yeah. far all of this i mean we're almost done with most of the planning now i guess so yeah it's almost time for the big day i'm so excited <laughs> that's so <laughs> exciting <laughs> 
Yeah. You have everything yeah. else all set or are you still doing some last minute stuff? Doing some last minute stuff today. We finally got the hair and makeup person confirmed somehow. And um, our coordinator has been really great. We have to figure out a baker, oh, I guess. Okay. I'm not a big sweets person. So think about the fact that people would want um, sweet things at a wedding. And, yeah, um, usually. <laughs> Typically. Yeah, no. Shouldn't be good. We did cupcakes. Brittany, you did cupcakes too, right? Yeah, I yeah, did I cupcakes. Brittany did cupcakes. I had a friend of mine make us like a small cake, and then I had another friend make all the cupcakes. So yeah, worked out that way. Well, I just want to say I don't know if we're we're ending the conversation or not, but um, I've loved this conversation with you, and I think that your story is such a story of hope. Like you said, like Mm -hmm. your your diagnosis doesn't have to be who you are. Yes, you have to take it seriously. Um, yes, you, you need to seek treatment. Um, but I think that you gave a really well rounded description of all the different things you can do from support to holistic approaches. And, um, I really hope that anybody listening who might be battling with bipolar or seizures or even any other issues, just see us this as a message of hope, because I think that's what you bring. I think that's I don't know you personally, really, other than this conversation, but I can just, I get that sense from you that you just, um, you live your life with a lot of hope and uh, positivity and it's contagious, you know, because I think that people might look at you and start to feel bad for you, but you do, you have this badass persona that you don't have to feel bad for me. We're going to, I'm going to do it. And um, yeah, I really, I've really enjoyed this conversation with you. So thanks for getting so personal with us and sharing all all that jazz. <laughs> it's not easy. So we really appreciate it. <laughs> no, we definitely appreciate you have appreciate you being on the show. Did you have anything else you wanted to share before we close out? No, just always be confident in yourself. Even if you're still trying to figure that out. Yes. I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this interview. Make sure you follow us on all of the things. And until next time, we are the Wayward Lasses reminding you to keep it real. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.